The Equity Foundation is the professional development arm of MIA Equity and Equity New Zealand. Each year, the Equity Foundation delivers more than 100 masterclasses, workshops, film screenings, in conversations, international scholarships, and on set internships free of charge for Equity members. We give our thanks to our principal sponsor, Media Super. As you know, I'm Alex Jones and I'm the Program Manager of the Equity Foundation and today I have the great pleasure in introducing our special guests, First Assistant Director Noni Roy and Equity Member Sarah Cooper. Before we commence, I would like to acknowledge the Gadigal people of the Eora Nations and pay my respects to all the traditional owners of country and all throughout our country and recognise their continuing connection to land, waters and culture and that this always was and always will be Aboriginal land and we pay our respects to elders past and present. I wanna take a minute to thank the Equity Foundation's principal sponsor, Media Super. Media Super has supported the foundation since our beginning in the early 2000s. They are your industry super fund and they can help you with your superannuation and provide you with financial advice. They're fully equipped to assist you with building your superannuation, so don't hesitate to contact them. And of course, contact me if you don't have their contact details. Enough of me and over to Sarah and Noni. Thank you. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Alex. Hi, Noni. Thank you so much for giving your time today to do this. It's wonderful. Um, I'll just say a little bit to introduce Noni. So Noni's got an extensive uh, list of credits to her name. She's worked on feature films, TV commercials and television series for major streaming platforms, including uh, Black Snow on Stan, if any of you have started watching that, World Mania, which is about to come out with Celeste Barber on Netflix, and The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart, recently with Sigourney Weaver and Leah Purcell. So we've got a great opportunity today to speak to someone who's normally so busy running a set that you can't really <laughs> sort of kneel down and ask them what they actually do. Um, just, just as an opener, because I know people don't often big note themselves, I want to big note Noni's job for her. Um, I was recently working as an onset coach on an Amazon Prime show, and a few weeks later I went back to the same show just to do a small scene as an actor. And the first AD came up to me and said, I wanted to thank you the other day for how nicely you worked on my set. And he called it my set. And I, I think that just sort of says how the first AD is revered on set. Like basically, as far as I know, the first AD runs the set. Uh, it's not actually the director. So we're gonna talk about that and pull that apart a little bit today. Um, so we're very, very lucky to have you here. Um, could you, I know there's so much a first AD does, Noni, mm. but could you just start with summarizing the sort of major jobs that you would say the first AD on set is responsible for? I think um, it's not just logistics that I end up looking into. I find myself being actually somewhat almost like a conductor because I'm a conductor of personalities. More than anything else on set, a lot of it is, is um, to do with how you deal with each other. And, I mean, my number one rule on being on set is that everybody, it's an inclusive um inclusive place and that you accept people as who they are and what they do and there is respect 
all you know through and through and then it's managing you know down to my director uh my my cinematographer dp um then our cast members and then the gaffer and the grip are different and then the camp the first ac is different so it's there it's just marrying all those personalities together so that we can come onto one and then second is my job as the keeper of the time, which is I, I end up talking, um, calling myself. It does look like a first AD is in charge of, you know, it's my set, but really I, I find it, it's, I'm the one that's the most vocal and I get sick of hearing my own voice to tell you the truth, but, but it, it's the one common voice that's pulling all of those people together and they know to come to me if there's an issue. Um, and that's every department. That's down to the cast. That's unit. That's uh, sometimes catering. Um, uh, it's the DP. It's the director. And it all comes through to me. And then I'm actually generally the one that calls action um, and the director will call cut. So, yeah, it's it's managing personalities and it's managing time. So that's my how I see it as my main my main job. Awesome, thank you. Um, often a lot of early mornings. I was on set this morning at five a.m., which is pretty standard. Could you give us a little um, view into your typical day for a first day? Like, how does it start, and and what's the end of your day? Uh, generally, I, I'm, I'm meeting with the DP and the director fairly early at locations, and that's our think. That's our kind of clear thinking time, so that we can. We've we've talked often about a, a certain location. Say, if we were at the beach today, we would have talked about it. I would know the tides. I'd know when the sun's coming up and going down, and we'd also would have talked a little bit more about where what scenes we're going to do and what's involved equipment wise. But generally. It's the, as soon as I get out of the car, I'm generally straight away with the director and the DP and we're looking at our day because obviously if we're something like an exterior um, and today's very hot in Sydney, we would be thinking differently in terms of what shots, what would go first. Um, if it was a raining day, rainy day, we'd work out, you know, you've got to work out your complexities with that as well. So sometimes you're thinking on your feet and other times you can plan as you how it goes to plan does that mean that the call sheet that's gone out the night before that can get shifted around on the day to weather depending yep. and are you the person who um ends up redoing the call sheet did you do the original call sheet or is that a different person no sometimes sometimes what we'll do say if you've got a major change that's happened and it's a reorder of the sets we, we generally get the information out and say scene 20 is number one scene five is now number two and it's been reordered if that's an easy one to do we'll do that but because we're the communication department then often uh actually even last week I was on a job and it shifted so much because we were a second unit dealing with a main unit and when cast could come to us that we redid our call sheet so it was clear for everybody which way we're going and it stops the rumor mill as well so yeah sometimes it can go completely to plan and other times no and that's where you know the industries we're getting better at just being able to um yeah you have to think on your feet and you have to be ready for change because you can plan as much as you like even interior you can plan as much as you like but something could come could um upset the apple cart as such 
So personality wise and temperament, would you say you've got to be a really calm and sort of unflappable person to be a first AD? Yeah. And look, look let me tell you, I'm sometimes I'm not, and I have to go off and have a little chat to myself and calm down because it can be quite, a, it's, it's can be quite adrenaline uh, inducing, um, especially if things are going wrong or you're behind time. Um, yes, that's, it's the, it's the, actually the one part of the job that I really that I still learn every day about that calmness. And I mean, uh, being calm is very important and not to fly off the handle too often or be, well, not at all. And also to see that um, our great saying is when it's not brain surgery, like everybody, let's calm down. We're not saving lives here. We're making something for a streaming <laughs> We're making something for Stan when it all feels like it's all going to go wrong or, you know, it, it, or you have days where a scene is not working, you know, and 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 it's causing a lot of anxiety for the cast involved, the, um, the director, uh, for me, because we're not shooting it on time. Sometimes that happens. They're just somehow it's not right. The the words on the page worked, but when they get spoken on set, it's not working. And it's it's being redone and you're running out of time or something like that. And that can seem momentous. Mm. But at the end, end of the day, you shoot it and it gets done. So can you talk to us a little bit more about that? This There's so much, sounds like there's so much problem solving that goes on on set. So your relationship with the director and the DOP, which the director of photography, do you find there are some standard things that just do not change in that relationship? regardless of what job you're on or what are the other things that might change depending on your relationship with the director and the DOP and what they're like and how they like to work what how how much do you have to shift and change what you do and what are the standard things that are exact, stay the same each job that's a really good question again I think it comes down to personality as well there's some DOP, DPs I've worked with that like very very quickly they are so decisive in what they're doing and and you don't and you, we don't have the time we sh we're shooting, you know, you're shooting five to six pages of, of script a day or five and six or five to six scenes. You don't have time. And others, you do have time and it's you spend time on lighting and refining. And some DPs, they're not as decisive about what they're doing. So they take a long time to light, which obviously will affect me and will affect the director because they've not got the time in which to be shooting the king, the shooting time. Um, King Queen so yeah I, I suppose I find that question quite hard to answer but generally um, you've gone into a project together knowing your time constraints mm -hmm. so you're moving forward with that you try and in pre-production flag any issues that may come about and I've, I've worked with so many great DPs and have a very close relationship with them on set that it becomes the director, me and the DP. We're the first little team. And then behind us, not far behind us, are then the grip, the gaffer, the costume stamp, the, those on set that are a really integral part of the team. The producer um, as well, depending on um, if the producer's on set a lot or or not they you know I'm kind of like the representative of the producer on set a lot of the time they're involved with decision making as well um so yeah personality is important again 
And um, where for you as a first AD, does the act to fit in for, um, for those people who haven't worked much on set, on a big set, there's a first AD, there's also a second AD and a third AD assistant director. So can you speak to um, those roles and what they do and where the act yeah. fits into that? No problem. So, yeah, it is that, that hierarchical thing that happens. So uh, as the first AD, I've been involved in pre-production. I've broken down the script. I've, I've made the schedule as such, which is all the information I've got from the script, the locations, when, what time of day we want to shoot it, um, all those elements to it. When an actor is available, a lot of, um, a lot of my time is about when, um, you know, I, I have cast restrictions as part of my jigsaw puzzle. So I'll do the whole schedule. And then from there, um, that gets given to my second AD who the second assistant director is then someone that would, um, they take that schedule and they, they do the call sheet every day. So a call sheet is, is our, daily, our daily piece of paper, really, that you look at and it'll tell you where, what locations we're shooting at, what time call time is for all the different departments. It'll list the scenes. It'll list how long that scene is how many timing wise also the page count to it what we've got to do there the synopsis of the scene and then I work out with my um, second assistant director all right I want the cast ready for nine o'clock so then the second assistant director then goes to makeup costume prop sometimes and that we work out when we would like that actor called um, in terms of there'll be an hour in makeup they need 15 minutes for their costume they need 15 minutes for breakfast they need 15 minutes, you build in 15 minutes just for, you know, you kind of put in a bit of air so that it's not so regimented. If an actor prefers to have a little bit of time, we also, have, you know, often what happens is we'll do a block through on set with cast and then I'll say, okay, I know I'm going to be an hour setting up for this shot so the cast can go back and get changed there. So there's often different combinations of what will happen. But, yeah, my the second assistant director runs base camp really runs the unit base for um and works very very closely with makeup and costume so that we are getting the cast member there or extras on set unstressed is the main thing and on time and that they're not waiting a hell of a long time on set for no good reason and then my third assistant director will be on set with me and they basically will then be looking after the cast in between the breaks that we have. They help me with in terms of, say, if I've got a lockdown, a, you know, you've got a, a big dialogue scene and you need everywhere to be quiet. They're looking into what's locking down the area as such and also relaying information as much as possible to all the relevant departments so everybody knows what we're doing at what at, at a given time. So, yeah, it can go. First, it goes first, second, and third assistant director, and then often we have a, a, a production assistant as well that's with the um, assistant directing department. So when an actor first arrives on set, they're they're told to go to unit base, and it's the second AD that they're looking for to sign in. Is that correct? Yes, correct. And It'll either be the second AD or the third AD. You know, one of the members of the assistant directing department, and generally it is the second. Yeah. 
And can you explain, Naini, to actors um, who might be new to going on set, why they might possibly not receive their call sheet till like maybe 11 p.m. the mm. night before they're due on set? Can you explain why that might be? I hate that. I really <laughs> It is something that is, yeah, is, a, is an issue. It actually was an issue last week for me because I went to bed on a different production. I went to bed thinking I was going to work at 9.30, but in fact, I wasn't there till 11.30, um, which was fine in the end. It was just what had happened in terms of things. So yeah, that, that's a hard one. Generally, there is a, and, and also if you're wanting to uh, prepare yourself for your day on set, you are well in your rights to be asking, I just need a ballpark idea. Yeah, when I might be needed, what my scenes are, and you know, and then you can deal with the shift that can happen. But that is that is quite frustrating when they come in that late. It but the, seems- re- isn't the reason that they can't actually write the next day's call sheet until they've wrapped that day that they're shooting is that the that's the reason I've been told in the past. That's mm-hmm. not correct. Oh, not okay. completely. Not completely. We so for example, the job I was on last week, one of the cast members was quite exhausted and uh, needed to be given a 12-hour break instead of a 10-hour break, and that is what changed everything. So then at the last minute, it was on wrap that that it became known that, uh, you know, she'd been on a lot, she was the lead, and it was, no, you need to have a rest. We need to change this around. And that's why it flipped, and that's why it flipped in such a big way, and then it affected my second unit. But generally... It shouldn't be that way that you have to wait until the last minute to know what your call sheet is. I've done, you know, you've generally done a schedule that you know is going to stick for quite a long time. There's so much preparation that's required in which to make that day work um, that it, doing it by the, you know, at the last minute can be very hard. It must be some, it might have been for you that they'd been in the same location for quite a while and weather had changed it I mean we would you deal with weather quite a bit and sometimes that will flip things around COVID is also another thing that you know has well still rearing its head Um, but last year I dealt with COVID a lot I would drive to work and get a phone call at six in the morning they've just pressed you know they've just tested positive what um, you know so they're sent home and we'd be the director and I'd be talking in the car on the way to work going, okay, let's see, if, let's ring the writers. Let's see if we can pull that character out of this scene. Okay, what if we pull this one forward and we push that one down there? So so that's that can change things. But as a general rule, a call sheet should be coming out like right. in the old days with your name on it and a piece of paper. Yeah. Um, it was how it used to be done and um, it would have to be completed at the end of the day. Yeah, right. It's such a juggle anyway, pre-COVID, it's, you know, let alone now juggling COVID. Can you tell us, Noni, um, what your first paid job was in film and how you got into becoming a first assistant director? Uh, my first paid job was in my hometown of Kalgoorlie. I grew up in Kalgoorlie in Western Australia and Midnight Oil were shooting their Blue Sky Mining music clip there. And a family friend was the location manager. And I was a runner. And I thought it was amazing. I had no, I, I didn't even, I didn't know how to use a radio properly, that you hold it down. And and um, we, were get, we were up at like 3.30 in the morning to get really early morning calls. And then we'd go back and have a sleep and then go and do dusk. 
you know, I thought it was incredible and um, fell in love with the industry, I think, then and have worked since. And I'm not telling you what year that was. <laughs> <laughs> I was enjoying Midnight Oil at about the same time, so it's all good. <laughs> um, what what attracted you to the first assistant director job role? Is it, I mean, clearly you love being on set, the collaborative nature of that. What, what's specific about this role that that draws you to it and keeps you yeah. there? Um, I, well, when I first started, I was a runner and then I did another job running and as a runner, runner being, you know, the often people start as a runner and that means that you are picking up cast, picking up equipment, dropping equipment off, taking supplies to set, you know, it's, it's a very round, you know, you do a lot other than, than just driving. So that was, and then I, I didn't want to do that for the rest of, you know, for my career and became interested in the assistant directing role and just sort of fell into that and then basically gained experience on the job as a third assistant director and I worked my way up. And thirding, I enjoyed... Um, seconding, um, the truth is I don't really enjoy as much. Um, and now I'm firsting. Um, there's some days I really um, think, God, how come, why did I think of, the, why am I doing this job? Um, oh, this around for someone else to have, have the shoulder of responsibility. And other times I really thrive on having a great collaborative relationship with DP, um, director and the main cast. And it's, and I, what I love about it is the alchemy that we talked about before of somehow this, this logistical side, almost like the left or right brain and the, the left and right brain are coming together. Um, you would never think it would be possible. And somehow this creative meets the, the, um, the practical. And there's this scene in front of you that reading it on the page before, you know, was, yeah, it was okay. You're a pretty good scene. And then the cast become involved and it's incredible and the light and the, the, so the shot is beautiful and you think, wow, that's, that's pretty good. Every, you know, like that I'm standing here and I've just witnessed something pretty amazing happen on set and a lot of it's to do with the cast and breathing life into a script and that's what I get the most enjoyment. There's, and, and it doesn't it just have to be tearjerker scenes either. They can be you know, different drama or even comedy that are, that are really funny to be be on. And I think, wow, how I just like, that's where I love my job. Right. Really love it. Um, in the education system in our country, basically you go through school and it's all drama is all about stage and, and being on stage. Um, so it'd be great to glean some of your advice for an actor sort of working for the first time on set. I always tell mm. people, you know, that they need to know where you are, even if you go to the toilet, like you can't. You know? um, could you yeah. say what were the key sort of pieces of advice that you would give to actors who've mainly worked on stage who are moving into working on set? the first thing that comes to mind is ask the questions, ask questions. No question is a stupid question because the one thing that happens for the crew, especially if you're working a lot, there's unspoken language that happens on set because we're so used to it. You forget what it's like that first time of standing on a set and you're not quite sure which way is the camera looking? Is the camera looking at me now? There's so many different things that you take for that a second nature to me now that I, I know can be so overwhelming for first time, first time crew as well, not just the cast. 
So I always say to someone that's new, please ask me questions. If you're not sure of something, ask, ask, ask. You're not going to ask a silly question. Um, the main thing you've got to get yourself in tune with, I suppose, is knowing what you're doing. Be prepared, be prepared for your scene and just immerse yourself in it. There's lots of technical things that can happen as well, which, you know, you've got to stand on a certain mark at times. You know, you block through a scene, you'll go in and block through a scene and you'll basically just start putting putting some pieces together. If you're coming from that doorway and you're going to stand by the couch and you're going to talk to the director, you know, uh, the uh, your actor this way. So what we, we do in a block through a lot of the time is we let the actors feel where they want to be in the room. And then the DP might say, can you try this one for me? Instead of coming through that door, what if you come through that door and stand here? Because then we could get a wide shot from here, a two shot from here, and a single and single, and that's going to work. And we're not going to cross the line. I'm not going to get too technical on this one, but there is crossing the line on all that palaver. Cast don't need to worry about. That's my job and the DP's job and the director's job. But it's it's getting a feel for you know, you you need to, the, the great, the thing you've got to remember is you're going to have to repeat that quite a few times, what your action is. You're going to have to, you know, knowing your lines is, is really crucial and understanding the scene is another one. Understanding where your character's coming from within the scene, what the motivation is, all of that business. And that's where your, the stage experience, that will, that will, is brilliant for that. And then it's a matter of, you know, you're say we've got a wide shot that we're going to do first with the three characters. So you know where you're standing, what you're doing, you're repeating your lines the same, and then we come in closer and we get coverage on it. So we'll come in, say, for a two shot on some characters, and then we'll do a single on each. But again, you've had to repeat and be in the same spot every single time once we've initially got it down on film. Do you find that new actors don't aren't always aware of continuity? So doing that same thing, like if you pick up the cup with that hand, you've got to put it down at the same time every single time. Um, is it yep. something that people aren't trained in? It would be good if there was more training and continuity. Um, I think that um, look, even seasoned actors, it can be they can be right into what's happening in a scene, and they'll go up to the script supervisor. There's another best friend to make uh, the script supervisor and say. Was it left hand or right hand? I can't remember for the life of me because they're so into their scene. So that that if you keep fluffing that up all the time, that's when it can be difficult because you can't use certain takes. But it is something that you always have help with, you know, script supervisor um, or continuity that, you know, depending. We now call them script supervisors. They were called continuity before. Uh, when I uh, first started in the game and they are watching every move of the cast and they're a really great person to ask questions of as well as the director and the the first AD. Um, what's another thing that I can think of? Not, knowing your lines, I cannot, you know, tell you that that's really important. Knowing your script, knowing what's going on for you, that's that can be a real time drainer. And that can be make life quite difficult. I mean, I, I, you know, I've worked with a great actor who I'm not quite sure why he couldn't remember his lines, but he used to write them down and they'd be behind the camera on a wall. And I've stuck them up on a wall for him or an, everywhere so, to help him remember his lines. But he was a big enough actor that 
we let them go. Um, what else? It, it's it's knowing also what your boundaries are in terms of, um, you know, the, the other thing I find with for cast is we'll rehearse and they will give a 100% performance and it's a technical rehearsal. So it's the camera trying to find its mark. It's the first assistant camera person making sure their focus is correct. It's the doll, it's the it's the grip on the dolly who's trying to make sure, oh, when they walk in, I'm walking the same pace. And then I've got an actor who's giving their absolute all, and then we've got to shoot it and it's done. They've spent. So it's knowing that's another great tip for for cast is is knowing when you give your performance, when you give your best. And Sometimes keep your tears for the close-up rather yes. than slide. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that's right. It, it, there is certain times that you know the the, the huge wide. Exactly right. You, you you can sell it more, but your moment is when it's the camera's there with you. Um, but knowing when is a rehearsal that is just technical or rehearsal to warm you up, and then when we go for a take, that's that's when you start giving the. That's great advice. Give it all. That can be really, I've seen that happen a lot in a lot of young casts where I've had to go up and say to them, listen, don't give me a performance. I just have to get you just a going through the motions for us. Then, yep. then yep. you're ready to go. Right. Um, we, we are going to open up a little later to, um, I know we've got a lot of actors and that they may have some more questions about acting. So if you've got some more questions that we haven't covered yet, please um, write some notes or pop the questions in now for Alex and she'll be looking at them. We wanted to ask you a little bit about um, intimacy training, which mm. is relatively new in the industry um, and the advent of the intimacy, the role of the intimacy coordinator, which we all know is very needed. How has that changed the dynamics on set? I absolutely love them. I think that it is a really, I'm so pleased that it has come through. I mean, I, I've i had, you know, it's generally sex scenes or, you know, um, a lot of kissing or, you know, even um, we even had, I even had an intimacy coordinator there when we were doing a scene that involved someone being physically um, abused. Mm -hmm. um, and that was important in terms of, it just, it's just kind of cutting it down into, making people safe in terms of how they are portrayed on screen. I, I, I've had a, a really brilliant intimacy coordinator um, who has, uh, she has a bag of tricks, it's pretty funny, of, of she has a bag of things that she brings. One of them is a, is a, is a um, what are those articulated dolls that you, and it was an articulated doll that basically she explains, okay, in this scene, do you want the man on top and the woman on the bottom or are we doing it the other way around? And she'll sit it and we'll talk about it in those. Do you want kissing with this? Do you want them feeling the inner thigh? It comes down to very, very, like it's just nuts and bolts. Probably. So it, it's, and also I've had a, a, a great and she's explained, it was a scene that I thought, oh, this character will be fine about it. This is like, this is nothing. Oh, no. It was it was basically a, a scene where, you know, a man was going down on her and her character, this is what she did all the time. What I didn't realise is the, the actor was so nervous about it. The guy was all right. The girl was like, I hate this scene. I really dislike it. 
I know it's part of my character and what she does. And our intimacy coordinator just broke it down into parts and also had, she had a cushion that the male actor could put his, because he was under a skirt. So there was a big cushion there that, that was shaped very well. And the actor could really get into what he was supposed to be doing and what we wanted to see. And she felt totally safe. She had a barrier between her and, and him. Not that she disliked him, she just didn't like the scene. So that was part of the intimacy coordinator had that bag of tricks that was brilliant. Also, I've had an, an actor, you know, a, a director say, oh my God, they're so having sex in that room. And we talk, and then you talk separately with the intimacy coordinator. We'll talk separately with the cast without the director there, one on one, two on two, and then with director. And it turned out that one of the cast members was, he hated it being in that room. He was, it was, he, he was gay. His acting partner was um, heterosexual, and but it was a gay love scene. And he said, I can't do it. I, I just really don't want to do it. Intimacy came back to the director, explained what was happening for the for the actor, and we re we relocated the room. We went into a different room, and because he was able to voice that, he didn't have to go to the director and say, "I hate that room." It went through the intimacy coordinator, and that gave that actor was great in the scene. He was so fantastic. They were really brilliant scenes because both those cast members felt totally safe. The director knew that she was not putting her cast in a vulnerable position. So it's brilliant, absolutely brilliant. And um, yeah, I'm really pleased it's around. It's like calling a stunt coordinator. That's how you, because there is still some, there is still a little level at times of people go, oh, intimacy, what? They're just having a kiss. No, hang on a second. Let's, that's, it's, it's still an intimate act. And people's triggers are different. Some people uh -huh. have anyone touched their shoulder. And, and you know, we don't know until we ask. Have you found that um, in the past, clearly being an actor is so hard, it's so hard to get a job. We don't ever want to put our jobs at risk by being the one who speaks out. Are you finding that the industry is becoming a more comfortable place for actors to say their needs and what they're not okay with and what they are okay with because of the intimacy coordinator being around now? Oh, gosh, I hope so. I really do. Because... I mean, for me, the, the other thing is for cast, it, they're so important in any role that they play because it doesn't matter what I do, what the light is like, you know, that helps, but they've got a great costume on, their makeup's great. But if it was something that was taught to me by a first assistant director who's since passed, who was, you know, amazing, and Mark Turnbull was his name, and he said to me, if that is not happy, we might as well go home. So that is, it's integral that that an actor is comfortable on set, is feeling like they're being listened to in terms of if they have any, any um, issues and that they can voice that and say that. So, yeah, intimacy helps. And I think also that we're much more aware of how important it is that, the cast and and even down to my even down to extras who if, if any of my crew members are rude to extras they'll get it from me because everybody's a person and we're all part of the this game of makeup really 
Um, you've recently worked with Sigourney Weaver and Leah Purcell on The Lost Flowers of Alice Hart. Can you speak a little bit about the difference between working with sort of actors who've had those kinds of careers to say a lower budget Australian film? Yeah, I mean, um, if any, I've never seen such preparation from uh, a, an actor as I have from Sigourney and she, uh, the chemistry between the two of them was so incredible. They were amazing. Leah is technically brilliant because she has directed as well now. She's a right. She she's a triple threat. She's a writer. She's an actor. She's a director. A blessing. She is. She's she's one of those for me. She's amazing. And but she will watch a set, and she she will just take in the whole set. That's her experience. So she's looking at shots as well, but also she's watched a rehearsal or she's she's coming in on a certain, and I say, do you want me to cue you? She goes, no, she's sorted. She just knows she can read a, a set. And that's from experience. That's experience coming in and her interest in directing. Um, Sigourney, extremely prepared. In fact, I, I wasn't able, there was only a few times that I was able to pull a scene forward in our schedule because Sigourney prepared that much. And um, another little terminology for you is sides every day, which is becoming more and more prolific even on Australian sets. You get a call sheet every day, you know your scenes, but you also get a set of sides, we call them. And that's a smaller script. Generally, it's a, you know, a is it A3 that size? A5 are the little A5, ones. yes, A5. You get a little book either you know digitally or, or or the piece of paper and they're your sides that you know you um you can quickly ref, you know um refer to your script Sigourney would give me her sides whenever she came on set and I I'm kicking myself that I didn't ask her for me to be able to keep one because she had copious notes through all of that she's pulled that scene completely apart and circles on this and that's that motivation there and then let's talk about that bit notes just she was so prepared and and wonderful and had such a um she's such a welcoming and very you know she's a superstar got it Sigourney Weaver but no she, <laughs> she didn't act like that she was she was very much um ensemble very welcoming um to the rest of the cast so yeah, she's she's pretty wonderful. I've worked with some casts, an American cast that go in a hierarchical thing. I haven't done a big American thing for a long time because I really dislike them. Um, where there's a hierarchy, they'll come on set when they're ready. There, we have to wait for them. Uh, they'll go into makeup when they're ready. I've done all that business. That's pretty boring. I don't think I've worked with many Australian actors that have played that game, mm -hmm. um, in which it's not an ensemble. Um, and, and a caring and sharing environment and they've hung around and been on set. Sometimes the Americans are like that. Generally those that can't act are the ones that play that game, but, you know, they're a big star. So, um, yeah. We had a the, just two more questions. We, got, we are going to open up to everyone else in a second. We had a question earlier um, that we didn't get to that asked about when you're playing a guest role on a show as mm -hmm. opposed to being in the lead. Um, I did something small I did the other year and I was saying, why are you being so nice to me? And they said, because we remember what it's like to be the guest role. And it's hard. <laughs> 
because you're moving into a, you know, you've got an established, they know their characters, they know the tone of the show, you know. So do you have any advice for people coming on for the smaller guest roles, which can actually often be quite hard to do? Yeah, really hard. I suppose, I suppose the uh, the main thing is is believe in yourself. You wouldn't have got the role if you weren't. You wouldn't have been cast in it if you uh, were no good. So believe in yourself. Coming in, come in with confidence. Come in prepared. I mean, generally, there's not that. You know, I, I hope that any. You know what what ends up happening though when you sometimes uh, when especially when you're shooting a lot and shooting fast and you've got a lot of day players coming in. I often which am not able to remember their real name and I'll call an actor their character name because it's quicker for us to go straight into their character name and I'll ask the actor, is that all right with you? So it's, I suppose, not taking, like there's, you want to give people time, all that sort of stuff, but often in these TV series we're shooting so fast that the bit player that's put their heart and soul in it, we're going, yep, you're wrapped, thanks, bye, <laughs> and we're out of there and you're like, they're standing there like, oh, Okay, so and we've moved on to the next. We've moved on to the next setup, and you're sort of standing there going, right. So, um, okay, don't feel that you're not <laughs> done a good job. Um, it's it's time that can generally lead to that. And me not knowing your name, I'm sorry because I've got a hundred day players, and I just cannot keep up with that. Yeah, I, I just think believe in yourself. Believe in yourself. You're part of a big cog, but your your um, your job is just as important as anybody else's. Yeah. Thank you. The the other question that um, Alex had popped in here was about TVCs, which mm -hmm. of course, uh, you know, you're working with 30 second bits or one minute bits. So mm. perhaps one minute to just summarise the difference that you would say for actors working. Yeah. A, a, oh, a that can that can be the the um, because it's 30 seconds, because, you know, you generally do a 90 seconder, a 30 second, a 60 second or a 30 seconder or they cut up into that. So your 30 seconds is so crucial. So your look could be, you know, okay, I want you to look over your left shoulder at something or other, and it's got or everything's got to be exactly the same. And meanwhile, take number 20 when you've nearly gone insane is because the, the director knows exactly where they want that to work and it's becoming crucial. So I think TVC sometimes can be harder because you've got to get it right in such a succinct way in that 30 seconds and and it can lead to a lot of takes and often it's because you you're you're saying your lines the same you're doing the same thing but they've got to get it right in terms of that camera move you know yes. so yeah they, they can be really tvcs can be really challenging and I mean, TV series you need to have the the stamina to go on especially if you're on a lot um, TV says you need the stamina for a day of doing 20 takes of the same thing that you're nearly going to go insane with. That's great advice. Thank you. So Alex has been collating some questions. So Alex, did you want to um, hop on and say them yourself sure. or you can open them up to people? I am. I've got here something, um, Noni. No, that was fantastic, Noni, by the way. Wonderful. Sarah as well okay here's a question please can you ask uh, as an actor on set who do you ask the mundane questions i.e can I get some water where's the uh, can I take a loo break it's a very they, good yeah don't bother someone if it's not their job so that's your assistant director so if you can't get the third assistant to help you then you ask the first assistant um, to help you makeup and costume are also fabulous in terms of 
if you're not able to get somewhere or or speak to someone, they're a great per makeup and costume are great people as well to ask those questions. I would say go to the assistant directors first, and and as as we we're talking about before, there's this whole thing of like, I just want to go to the toilet, and why do I have to tell everyone where I'm going? I have to. I have to tell everybody, hey, I'm just, and we do have this saying called, I'm 10-1, which is code for I'm off to do number ones at the toilet, which is so ridiculous. Then there's 10-2, but no one says 10-2 anymore because you can imagine what 10-2 means. Anyway, but I have to say I'm off set. I'm 10-1. I need someone on set to look after me, same as the actors, same as the extras have to say I need to go the loo break. And off they go. It sounds so like we're in kindergarten, but it's it's crucial in terms of what you're doing and what you're planning on. So assistant directors, first up, if you can't get them, then go for your makeup and costume people if uh, we're too busy. And take your microphone. Don't know where you are at all times. <laughs> what about turning your microphone off? Ah, uh, well, that they uh, we generally the sound department will turn off as soon as it takes over your mic's off so you're safe in terms of that but there is times when you know you swing past sound and say hey I'm I'm 10 one and you, sometimes you need help with those radio mics depending on where they are um and you know you aren't expected to hold on all day that's for sure and uh I'm just about to go to someone but just a quick one what about with with actors moving sideways, so many actors are moving into producing, directing, writing. Is there a pathway for actors to move into sort of working on the crew while they're also acting, or is it too intensive? Can you can you? Oh, I I mean, I, I'm just trying to think if I know anyone that actually. I mean, there's been uh, um, someone I worked with last week. He he's an assistant director, and he said to me, oh, yeah, when I was in my acting days, and I went, what? You were an actor? And what? well, why'd you say? And he said, well, because I was no good at acting. So, but he, but the, he, and he's decided to go a different path. He gets on very, very well with actors, and now I know why, because he 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 understands all of that. Um, I, I don't think I've worked with a crew member that's come from acting and, and dabbles both ways, you know, as in they're on set, one day as a, a cast member and three weeks later they're a crew member. I don't think I've ever come across that and I wouldn't think there was anything wrong with it. It's um I, I don't I don't think it would be too intense. I think that that's where a little bit of that what I talked about before that there's the left brain, the right brain thing. There's people that are more suited to being behind the camera like me. I've been asked to do on in, be in front of camera once and it was so embarrassing I will never do it again it was awful um I'm not an actor I'm not a person on front of in front of camera other people might be better than that but I, I'd say go for it if you can we've got a couple down here that go Ben Morton and Emma Sherudoff will go between sort of I think Ben's being first ADing and second ADing and occasionally they'll get him in for a, a guest role yeah right yeah oh. interesting yeah yeah good luck yeah. I say if you can do it Fran, the Fran you're on. Hi, thanks so much for this. It's really useful. I was recently on a really big set, very small role, but an absolutely gorgeous one. And I was treated superbly by everybody. So that was great. Good. I wanted to introduce myself to 
the important people as well as all the other little small fry. But I, I found myself going, is this the right time? Mm. Uh, uh, when do I do it? Mm. And I also realized who, which, which one's the DOP because there were three cameras. Mm. And I thought, who do I introduce myself to? Mm. So again, with that, then I would, I would go to the AD department, um, go to the third, first, third assistant director first, because the second doesn't tend to be on set as much. Um, the third would be able to point out straight away and they would probably come to me next and say, listen, um, how can we get this introduction going? And I would be the one that would tell you when the time was right. Because you're, you're right in saying there is times when it is not, it's not time for small talk. Yeah. You know, it, often there'd be times with, with cast on set that I've got to know them quite a bit and say, oh, how's their baby? Or, you know, because I know they've got children or something like that or your dog or whatever. And I actually nearly did it the other day. And then I looked across and thought, oh, no, he's going into character. No. Can't do. I might be asking that. So there's, there's, there yeah. is. You do have to be a, a very aware of when's the right time. That's totally true. I mean, a, a director and and co. I mean, generally, what I try and do is, if I've got a bit player coming on, it's this is hey everybody. This is Fran. She's playing Edith today. There's your DP. That's blah, 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 blah. We try and do that as much as we can. If we can't and you want to be, you want to just do that connection with them, go to your assistant directing department and get them to help you facilitate that. Beautiful. Thank you so much. No problem. Um, a couple of things we've mentioned earlier, I just want to sort of hark back to Noni if that's okay yep. um, you mentioned language on set so language has you know the set has its own hierarchy and 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 language so things like um when I was first on a big set and I heard people stepping up onto the makeup van the caravan oh, yes stepping up and I hear them all do it and I'm thinking am I meant to do that and I didn't know because no one had taught me is there I mean do you wow guys to go online and look up that language like Oh, there's just so many terms like crossing, crossing the camera that if you don't know, I made so many mistakes when I first got on set. So is there somewhere that you could advise actors to go to learn these terms that they may not know otherwise? No, you just made me think of a really good business idea. But the <laughs> it is so true because on even um, there's even an unspoken rule in terms of, you know, the catering line. You know, there's the, yes, with, with makeup, you say stepping up because if someone's doing eyeliner and you get on the bus, you come boom, boom in the bus and they're ah. Oh. So it gives that person, it gives makeup artists the time if you're yelling out stepping up because you're opening a door, stepping up and they go, oh, stop, yep, and up you go. Gosh, we could, we could start doing this all day. There's a lot of things. Crossing mm -hmm. the line is to do with technical stuff in terms of, looking left to right, right to left. But as a cast member, you shouldn't have to worry about that. That's something that, that gets sorted with the technical team. But when right. you're in front of the camera, you're meant to say crossing, right? If, if you're on set and you walk. It, it depends. If, if, we're, if we're setting up for a scene and, I mean, that's generally the crew will say that, you know, or, you know, that if, an, if, if the, the DP is really, a lot of the DPs are operators of the camera and a lot of DPs, I know they light through their camera. They've always got their, their um, eye up at the earpiece 
trying to work out their light. And often I'll say, yes, I'll say to them, just crossing, it's just me. You know, uh, there is also off-screen lines. There is, you know, when, when when you're not on camera and you're, but you're still giving the 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 actor those off, you know, the off-screen lines because it's really important. Gosh, that there, there is so many Sarah to teach. I know. I used to have a document because I used to teach this at the screen. Yes, and it and it was a long document that I would yeah. get, even kids. I would teach kids it as well. Mm. Um, another thing, um, time is money on a set. Could you say, could you do a rough estimate of if an actor, for example, you know, fluffs around and wastes time, mm. five minutes, 10 minutes over time on a large set, how many thousands of dollars does that cost production? Oh, gosh, that can um, really go into the thousands and thousands because you're in overtime and yep. it, it does depend on the budget, you know, you know if it's a commercial it's a tv series um but yeah it's it's expensive it's expensive and that's where that whole thing of being prepared is so important and knowing that you've got the right scripts as well and sometimes that can get lost in translation because you've talking to your agent that then talks to production that then it comes back and all of that and i've you know and that's where when you get your scripts you you know, say to your agent, can I just make sure these are the most current scripts? And that question is asked because so often I've had day players turn up and they've got their script out and I go, oh, no, no, gosh, we're on. So we go through script amendments and it goes from, I can't remember the colour, I think it goes blue first, pink, goes through all these different things and you get to goldenrod and then you get to buff and, you know, I go, oh, no, that was ages ago. That's important. Those questions are important. When you're first there, you know that you do you have any sides you can give me or, you know, and I have a call sheet so that you've got that reference for yourself. So that that's another part of your preparation as well is knowing what you're doing, where you're going. And Ask I think questions for theatre actors as well, who, of course, we have weeks of rehearsal. When you mention rehearsal on set, it's probably worth pointing out that that's usually just a read through of the scene and mm -hmm. a block through once probably with a shifting of you know perhaps don't sit there but stand there then we're off while things are lit and then we're on so and you're on, and you're on not go, yeah no one, on, yeah, no one holds your hand no one does happy clappy warm-ups or anything you know you're you're pretty much on your own um so and I that's another that's another really important part as well we don't do vocal warm-ups you guys are going to come to set and you're ready to go you and that's where you know, another thing that um, for for an actor as well is knowing uh, you're going to be in makeup for, an, you know, ask the assistant director, okay, so I've got makeup for an hour, then I'm going to get dressed, then I'll eat. Can I have, am I able to get a 10-minute warning before I'm on? So you could warm up your voice. You know, you're allowed to ask that. You're allowed to say, I need this time. Is that possible? And we go, yeah, sure. Or, oh, shit, I better make sure you might have to have a shortened breakfast because I didn't allow for that. You know, so that's where, and then, or you'll get this time after we've done a block through, you'll get time to do that more of a vocal warm up. That's a really, that's a, a really good example of us not, we, we just don't do that. It just doesn't happen unless it's a, unless it comes from a lead actor or, or uh, we had a drama, I had a dramaturg on a job I did on Black Snow, actually, with, we had a lot of non-actors. And um, the dramaturg, she prepared the, the cast 
in so many different ways that I was like, oh, wow, I, gee, I didn't think of that, you know, because I hadn't seen it before because the actors generally come to me and they're ready to go. But you are allowed to put your hand up and say, I need a bit of time to do this or that. And if we can accommodate it, we'll accommodate it for sure. Very friendly and lovely. <laughs> um, I think Alex said she's got one more question. Alex is still, still time. One more question, and then I'll hand it back to you for final comments, Sarah. Um, could you, uh, if you've got any tips on how to get work on a set as a runner or as an assistant, because this actor would love to learn more. She's an actor, but has working, been working more behind the scenes in theatre, and I'm really enjoying it. So I would love to see what it's like working on set, not, mm. not as an actor. Mm. That is, a lot of work happens because of word of mouth. Or you meet someone and you keep badgering them until they go, oh, for goodness sake, I'll give you work. That, which is, you know, that, there's a bit of a joke in that in the industry about, you know, you've got to, and, and even for me now, I had a job that was delayed. So I immediately got on, on the phone and text, thank goodness for texts now, you don't have to cold call. But the, um, I got on in touch with a bunch of people and said, hey, my job's just been pushed. Have you got any work? You know, just keep me in mind if something's around. And I hit the iron at the right, whatever that word is, uh, the saying is, I hit at the right time because I went, oh, God, I didn't realise you were around. Fantastic. You can run this set for us. So I got work. So it's it's getting to know people, even if you use um, online is something called the production book. And that shows different, you know, producers, production managers, line producers, assistant directors, all of that and their numbers there that's a good contact base also in sydney we have two um two agencies that deal with crew mine's called top text management there's another one called oz crew they have crew members on there as well not so much your directors and producers but assistant directors um on, on those and and some directors and you can start by you know you you get in touch with those people I wouldn't cold call because if I don't know the number, I don't answer the call. Email is is great. Text is great. And, you know, I've and there's times where I've gone, oh, I'll give that person a go because they've been in touch. They have given me a CV. That's interesting what the experience has been for them. I'll give that person a go because I've got a PA role coming up. It's It's badgering people, basically. Yeah. Great, thank you, Noni. And um, we we've uh, run to time now, so we're going to wrap up. We just want to say a massive thank you for giving your time. Yeah. Uh, so wonderful and helpful. And we're going to hand back to Alex to finish up. I think that, is that right, Alex? It is. And I want to thank both Noni and Sarah for a wonderful session. This was, you know, a fountain of information. It was really went so quickly. So thank you so much, uh, Noni. And you know all that information and we haven't done anything like this before so it's wonderful that we're going to be able to record this so thank you so much and right. Sarah, i'd forgotten that you'd run a school when i asked you to do this so you were like the perfect person so thank you and of course thank you to, again as always to all everyone who has um uh come on board today and of course to media super our wonderful sponsors and thank you all again and look forward to seeing you next time and thank you thank again you. so much Noni. No problem. Bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast brought to you by our principal sponsor, Media Super and the Equity Foundation. For more information about the work we do, visit equityfoundation.org.au.
or follow Equity Foundation Australia on Facebook and Instagram.